Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. Hey guys, welcome back to Training for Manhood. Dan Panetti here. I've got uh, Parker, uh, my son. Um, we just got done with uh, the Cowboys game, and we're getting ready for uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And so I was just thinking and uh, and ch- chatting with Parker as we were going to the gym, uh, just about uh, just different heroes, just uh, different um, great men. We've had a lot of conversations uh, on Training for Manhood about um, how it takes a man to make a man. Um, that you need men to train um, other men. And so uh, finding men uh, that can be um, examples for you uh, is, uh, is a really important aspect. Uh, I think it's one of, the, one of the things you need to have is, uh, one, you need to have an older man who's mentoring, discipling you, training you. Um, so the concept of, of who are those men in your life. Um, but I think it's also important to, to look around and, and, you know, who are the men that you're hanging out with? Who are the men that are, are pushing you, challenging you, um, sharpening your sword? Uh, so to speak, that, uh, you know, Proverbs 27 concept of an iron sharpens iron. Um, and so, you know, we were just talking about how today is kind of a different day um, that in, you know, kind of looking through history, um, the kind of men that a culture would promote, um, in a sense today, you, you know, you've got athletes and entertainers, but, you know, it was, as we were kind of talking about this, um, different cultures in different times promoted different aspects that they thought was important. And I was just thinking about how, you know, if you were back in um, ancient Grecian times, right, you'd have Sparta, which would have valued um, strength and honor. They valued warriors. Uh, Athens, right, valued intellect. Uh, and so if you were at a different, you know, part of the country, right, the men that they would elevate to say, hey, follow this guy would look different than what the other part was doing. And so I was kind of asking Parker, like, who are the who are the guys today that you would say that our culture is elevating that we um, as men um, look to kind of emulate and and as younger men, right? Who are the people that he's looking at? And I mentioned something about how, you know, we don't have any necessarily uh, great military or political leaders um, that I think our culture emulates. And Parker's like, well, (laughs) we haven't been at war in, you know, forever, right? Had, I mean, just a major war, right? We, We go back and you think, Revolutionary War, we elevated George Washington, the first president, you know, um, you know, the World War Two, we elevated, you know, Dwight Eisenhower. Um, so d- different, right? Um, political leaders back in the day, um, you know, one of my favorite is John Quincy Adams, but Theodore Roosevelt, you know, great men that our culture elevated to say, hey, be like this guy. Um, and you really don't have that today. But athletes and entertainers, you've got um, guys who um, our culture elevates. And I'm just kind of wondering from a young man's perspective, right? What is, what does that mean? What does it look like? Um, who are the guys that, um, you're looking to, um, to figure out what it means to be a man, to value those things, to learn those characteristics and those principles. And so, um, Parker and I were just going to have a conversation and then I was going to kind of, uh, tie into it. Some of the, uh, the biblical references as well of, of, of some different men that scripture would elevate for us. So Parker, um, question for you. Um, who are the guys that, um, I guess the way we ask it, right, if you could you know, invite three guys over for dinner, um, who are the guys that you would invite over and why? And what, what does that mean for a young man in terms of finding people um, that you can learn about what it means to be a man by watching their lives? 
Yeah, I feel like before I answer the three guys, going back to when you, when I said we don't really like have any military or political leaders because we're not at war, is because like the men that we look up to is dictated by how our culture defines success. Right. And so like, you know, back where you're saying about intellect or is it about, you know, you know, military strategy or is it about just brute strength, right? I would say right now, at least for my culture, um, a lot of what we deem as successful is probably financial. Financial. Elon Musk. <clears throat> right. right. So him or any of your, you know, get rich Zuckerberg. quick guys. Right. Maybe not yeah. him. But okay. like <laughs> I don't know who looks up to him. Yeah. But it's like the who's, guy who's the Amazon guy? What's his name? Oh my goodness. So um yeah. It's probably, <laughs> probably great we don't know his name off the top of it. Um well you know oh. what? we're gonna skip right past it. I know we are. But but those okay, so you're right. Bus- business leaders um, are guys that our culture elevates, but it isn't it isn't necessarily great men. Jeff Bezos, Bezos, thank you. Yes, great men of economy. Because because here's the thing: um, you work for a company that has a great man, right? So you're at Chick Fil A, um, yeah. you know, and uh, Truett Cathy, right? Great businessman, uh, great man who did a lot of really amazing things, not only to create a really really amazing company. Um, but the way that he did it um, to elevate and k- kind of keep Christ at the center of everything that Chick Fil A, you know, did and does, um, that's a little bit different though because it's it's not like he made you know a bunch of money really quick and oh look how famous he is, he just was a really really good businessman and a good man as well. So it's kind of different. I think your culture, um, you know, is you're you're much more into the you know the quick, you know, billionaire kind of guy. It doesn't really matter, uh, you know, necessarily what kind of character he has, right? The the culture will elevate that particular right. person. Right. So, who made the most money the fastest, yeah. and also who is able to entertain me the longest, yep. right? And so that's why we have actors, celebrities, comedians, or whatever. And then you have athletes, and then you have your wealthy people. It's kind of like the people that you look up to. And so, like, if I was to pull one from that category, like the one that I just like grew up loving was Tim Tebow. Yeah. So, like. You know, I was number 15 as my, like, jersey number for football in high school because I loved Tim Tebow because he was a quarterback. He worked hard. He also stood for his faith. But, like, he fired up his team. And, like, he was successful in most measures for football at the highest level. And then also he, like, wasn't swayed by culture. Yeah. Which I still think is a non-spiritual thing to not be swayed by culture. Like, if you see a man that, like – isn't dictated by other people like that. I mean, it doesn't have to be that alpha mentality, but is that, that attractiveness of a guy where he's strong, he's firm. And when he does something, it gets done and everyone kind of goes like, Whoa, that's pretty cool. And like, so Tim Tebow doing that against the worldly grin of culture, while also the people who have a worldly view and a non spirit, like Christian view of culture still look at him like, well, he's pretty dang good at what he does. And so he's one person that I'm like, okay, he would be super cool to see a guy like we watched that the Florida Gator documentary yeah. with Urban Meyer, and then he was like the one guy who didn't do all do the things all that the everybody things. else was doing. Yep. Right, and it'd be so cool to ask him like, "Hey, like, what was that like?" Because I got to like kind of experience that on a really small level, yeah. in a fraternity, yeah. But like, you got to experience that on the highest level. Hey, what was that like? How is it now moving forward? Because you're still in that world to an extent with being on SEC Network and all this stuff. Yeah. But like still loves Jesus and all those things. Yeah. So I think he would be the person that I would want to have over. And, and he, and he kind of hits the, 
the old categories, right, where he's a man of integrity, a man of faith, he's a man of character, right. but he hits the new ones as well, and that is he, you know, he's super popular, really good looking, very successful at something that the culture thinks is important, right? Football. Right. Um, and so, you know, there, there's, there's those guys that, you know, as the culture elevates them because they're winners and they're, you know, doing something that the culture thinks is important during our time, you can look at it and say, yeah, I can learn about manhood from that guy as well. There's a lot of guys in, in a similar, you know, category who are successful on the field, um, but are very unsuccessful in terms of the things that matter to us. And so, you know, while the culture may elevate them and say, hey, look at this guy, they're not doing life well. And so you don't want to emulate their life off the field. Right. And, and then there's he, people who love Jesus as much as Tim Tebow. And just, and yeah, just they can't throw a, can't throw know, a football or run over someone in the NFL. Right. So totally. there is, you know, both that he's been able to kind of bridge both worlds yep. very well. Yep. Um, but as I think about other people outside of that world, what attracts me to wanting to like <clears> – <throat> pursue a relationship or like just learn from a guy would be kind of like someone's eloquence of wisdom and intelligence not on a like i mean i do like listening to like different podcasts of people who like just talking about something super interesting i always think that's so cool to like take super high knowledge information and simplify it but on a grander scale someone's able to take deep spiritual wisdom Mm. and make it applicable to right me in my life right i've just always been attracted to that um, that's probably why I love this podcast, but even more so why I love listening to pastors because pastors every week, their goal and their mission is to take God's word, go into the depths of the wisdom and knowledge and like relationship aspect that God's trying to have with man and make that make sense to, to his people to shepherd them. Yeah. And so that which, has always been... Which we were talking about yeah. what an interesting day today is that you guys have access to so many different local pastors... Um, that you're podcasting, that you're listening to, that, you know, 20 years ago, they were just a local pastor. And, and you know, I didn't know who they were. You didn't know who they were. Nobody knew who they were unless you went to that particular church. Right. Um, and now through, right, media and the platforms that are out there, you can find guys who are in totally different areas across the world, right? Because one of the guys you're interested in is, you know, actually in a different country. Um but I, I thought about this, you know, it's amazing how God uses different mediums to get his message out. Um, so I'm a huge fan of the Puritans um, in terms of, you know, guys who are uh, pastors in, you know, the 1600s. Um, and what is, one of the amazing things um, that somebody was just talking about is how um, there was some great oppression that came around. Um, and those pastors, the John Bunyans, the Samuel Rutherfords, right, the Thomas Watsons, a lot of different guys who are like pastors during that particular time, um, they were taken out of the pulpit. And so they went and they wrote. And so John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, um, wasn't able to be a pastor and proclaim the gospel, right? He was kind of in prison for about 12 years. Um, So he wrote, and he wrote the Pilgrim's Progress. And so we have that message still today, which, you know, might have been just a message given to a local congregation 400 years ago, but it's preserved for us to be able to read. And I think podcasts and, and the um, the medium that's out there today, right, is doing something very similar is you're getting exposed to a lot of different, you know, great men and women of the faith who are teaching and training. I, we, the last program we did, we talked about, you know, run, running up to CrossCon. We got to see Piper and right. Platt and Rosaria Butterfield. I mean, you know, 
years ago, if you didn't read their books, you didn't know who, know who they were. Now you can actually, you know, go to conferences and listen to them. You can get podcasts and listen to them. Um, and I think that's one of the things that's, that's pretty amazing uh, is to think that there's some great guys out there, right, opening up the Word of God, teaching and training, and we get to be exposed to them and listen to them. And, and you know, those are great men of faith that you can say, hey, I want to be like this guy. And he's actually the pastor of a local church that's hundreds of miles from where we are. Kind of an interesting concept. Yeah. And so that's <clears throat> that's the cool thing about today's culture that's yep. allowed me to not abandon my local church and not utilize the local right. church, but then also have additional spiritual wisdom and guidance. And it's, in a way, it's kind of back to your – you talked about this a lot in your other podcast, my like historical discipleship. Right. But it's like pastoral discipleship yeah, that but exists. but you're not limited by your geography. Right. Which is totally cool. And so that's – you know, like if I were to choose to certain people that I have like historical discipleship, but like I love Calvin and Spurgeon mm-hmm. and what they wrote and like just how how they've taken scripture and made it make sense. Like, oh, this is how I see scripture too. And so like those guys are like, oh, those are super awesome. Yeah. But then, you know, all that kind of coming into a person that I agree with or I am attracted to the way that they speak and are intense on things. Like another person is Vody Bauckham. Yeah. So Vody Bauckham was from South Central LA. Yeah. And then I know most recently – until he moved to Africa, he was in Houston. Yep. And then now he's, he started a – he's the president of a seminary in Zambia. Okay. Pretty sure on that, called like African Christian University. Yeah, uh, which is not close to where we are in Dallas. No. <laughs> and with that, like I don't get to listen to him often because they don't like pump out sermons every Sunday like right. normal. But like when he's in the States, he preaches and they like all this stuff. But yeah. like, And he's well-written, well-spoken, has right. a lot of things on YouTube. You can – you know, download and watch. And, and that's been a guy that you've paid attention to, right? And you've, um, you know, uh, listened to that's speaking truth into your life and challenging you as a young man to grow in certain areas. Um, and that, that's kind of an interesting thing that, you know, he's, he's, while he's at the same time as you are, he's definitely not close to where we are, you know, geographically. And so I think it's amazing to think about that you don't have to be limited by your geography right now. You can choose uh, you know, great men from other countries, not just other time periods who are in other, other countries. Right. And so th- the thing that most attracted me to him was, I remember my senior year of high school listening to a sermon of his on Psalm 51, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like reading a great book yeah. that like really just like struck a chord. And his take on what Psalm 51 had to do with sin was like, whoa, never heard that before, never thought about that before. At least my heart wasn't enlightened to that idea um, to yeah. my understanding. So the, when I, the message you did on Joseph, right. How, how Joseph is always in a sense, kind of what he considers like misapplied to, um, trust God and he will elevate you. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, like watch this, you're, you're faithful and God will elevate you to the second in command. And he's just like, that is totally not what the story of Joseph is about. Right. God is using Joseph to protect his people and fulfill his promise. Right. The elevation is part of it. But I mean, God may elevate you. God may, you know, reduce you. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point isn't to be elevated because you're faithful. The point is that God is faithful regardless of where you are because he's going to use it. And, and actually, Piper hit that really hard at the conference we were at is, you know, God's going to use in a, in a crazy way. God's going to use your sin and your unfaithfulness. And he's going to use people that don't even know him to complete God's goals Right. And it's just an, it's an amazing thing to think about. And so the story of Joseph becoming more about me. Right. Watch what God's going to do with me as opposed to watch what God's going to do. Right. Is, is the point that he was really making in that particular story. So that that was a great reminder. Yeah, I mean, all of his sermons are great. I love 
the one on the rescuer with Joseph and the mm-hmm. one on Psalm 51 with David talking about um, God not letting us forget our sin. I think having a man like that who's not in the household, right, echoing things that I hear in the household, mm-hmm. like is what you want to look for in, a, in a, a, a man, a hero, those kind of things where if you're hearing truth from someone who's close to you and then you hear that same truth repeated from someone that's not close to you, yep. that is a like reiterating. What's a great reinforcement, right? Is when those things are reinforced um, and you're hearing that, that concert of voices saying the same thing um, that, you know, it's not just my dad who's saying this or not just my coach who's saying this, but now I'm hearing it three, four, five, six, seven, eight times, right? It's like the power of the Holy Spirit to make sure that he breaks through so that you are listening. So I I think that's one of the things that, that, I mean, I really want to get across in this podcast as we speak to men out there is that question of who are you listening to? Who are the people that are speaking into your life? Now, um, I think, you know, part of the thing that, you know, I, I kind of paid attention to with you, right. As, as we were watching some of the young guys that you were hanging out with is not all of them have dads in their home that are walking with the Lord that are getting this information, um, you know, having access to the word of God, somebody to teach them and train them in their home. Um, so the concept is, is you might have to be looking outside your home to find out who these people are as well. And I think that's what you're saying is right. As many of these people as you can get, right, to speak truth into your life, it, it's valuable. It's right. valuable to have, right, three, four, five, six different people speaking into your life. I think it's important to have a close relationship with one or two of those guys, which is great, um, but I don't think you need to limit yourself. Um, there's so much access to great things. Of course, I, I love the written word, right? So I'm going to, you know, kind of go towards that. Um, but today with technology, I mean, like you just said, so many of these guys, right, this will be the written word, you know, 500 years from now, but right now they're alive. We're listening to right. them. They're podcasting, they're teaching, they're training, and we're watching them. Right. So don't, don't minimize that. And I, tra- I think aspect. too, trying to get a well roundedness to it. I think, um, I think early on, like when I was in like junior high and early high school, I try, I like listen to the same type of people. Yeah. And so, um, the reason I love listening to pastors is because I also love to teach. And so like I would, my teaching would model who I listen to, yep. which is like a rule for life, right? Who you listen to is how, right? The words you're going to come across at what you're going to say. Um, and that's just like a greater spiritual like idea. But the people that I was listening to, right. Attacked more probably a truth versus grace mindset. Yep. And, you know, not that that was bad, but I didn't balance who I listened to with people that were a little bit more grace-filled. Not that I'm slipping on theology one way or the other, yep. right? But learning to balance, like, hey, are the people that I'm listening to in my life all truth-bent? Are they all grace-bent to where the wisdom that I'm getting poured into based on Scripture, right, is, you know, one bent over the other? And yeah. so that changed my teaching style, changed how I approached to people, was that there are two sides to reading Scripture, not with one being right or wrong, but one being like a, a healthy, balanced approach to how Scripture is supposed to be taught and read and understood. Yeah. And so that's why I try, like, there was three or four or five guys that I would listen to, not just one guy. Yeah. So I think it's also an interesting thing. Um, I remember when I had my um, situation uh, when I was uh, younger and I, and I dealt with um, just trying to figure out what it, what it means to be a man. And I remember going to Scripture and uh, and just sitting down and reading through Scripture and um, looking at all the different men um, that Scripture used um, to uh, to you know to show us what it means to be a man, and you know you go through Moses and Joshua and Caleb and you know Nehemiah and you know the prophets and 
Um, you know, you got David as a great political leader. Um, the, the concept that I thought was really cool was just that whole idea of how Jesus really is um, the greatest picture of what it means to be a man. Um, and just how, um, you know, one of the things that I thought was remarkable about Jesus as the, um, you know, the stereotypical, right, like this is what it means to be a man, was just how he doesn't fit any of the boxes that any culture would ever really check. You know what I mean? Like uh, like for our particular culture, like we're looking at athletes, entertainers, really wealthy guys, right? So you go back and you look at Jesus and it's like, um, not athlete, not entertainer, not really wealthy. But even in his particular time period, right, he didn't check any of those boxes either. Right. right? He didn't come from the right city. Uh, he wasn't trained at the right place. Um, he didn't have the right parents, right? I mean, his, his start was, you know, in a small little town. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's an amazing thing to think about um, that Jesus doesn't check any of the boxes for any of the particular cultures, and yet he still remains to this day, right, the most remarkable man that's ever walked the, you know, the planet. Um, and so I, I, you know, I think that's kind of a, a, you know, fascinating thing for, for me to kind of look back at that. Um, so I, I, I do love, I love going through scripture and seeing and learning from um, some of the men uh, throughout scripture and just, you know, asking, you know, what am I supposed to learn from them uh, to be a better man, a better husband, a better father, um, a better, you know, businessman, a better politician, a better uh, leader in my community? Uh, what can I learn from these particular people? Um, and I think it's just a, a great thing. And then all of them eventually uh, point to Jesus himself um, as the great model for manhood, right, that we need to take away from. And, and I think, you know, if if you want to talk about, um, you know, men who, you know, historic, we talked historical discipleship. You want to talk about guys who are alive today. I think all of those are important to add to, right. You know, the, the, whatever it is that you're baking to make yourself into a man, each one of these is a little ingredient to put in there. I think if you're missing the ingredient of Christ though, as kind of the base and the foundation for what you're building, then, then you're missing the whole picture. Well, I think the ingredient of what Christ looks like, the most obvious part of that ingredient is like humility or like spiritual submission. Yeah. And like that's where you see the difference with what culture looks for and what, you know, God looks for. And then like, well, I'll listen to, like, I'll watch like sports shows or something like that, or uh, maybe some like business guru thing will pop up mm-hmm. and they'll be talking about how basically, uh, I, I, actually, Campbell and I were watching this movie on like, um, on like these chefs. It was like, not true or whatever, but it basically this guy was like yelling at him all this stuff. And he's like, Hey, you can't be in my kitchen because you're not arrogant. Right. And this idea that this bravado of men to be, you know, not just not, not the idea of confidence cause it's different, but this idea of pride and that you deserve it, that you belong yep. and that you are worth everything that comes your way and more because you are so great. Right. Is what dictates a lot of what culture is. If you look right. at our most successful people in culture, they're people who know they deserve what they have. Right. And believe they deserve everything they have. Right. And if you look at guys who are modeling Christ, it's people who are just like, I don't deserve what I have. Right. I deserve all this, the pain and suffering and sin that follows. Yeah. Right. But I don't deserve any glory and praise because it isn't for me. And I think that's where the two differ. Right. If you were to ask, you know, like you look at Tim Tebow's Heisman speech versus anyone else's, right? It's, you know, Christ glorifying, not Tim Tebow glorifying. Yeah. Right. If you were to look at, you know, maybe an actor who he loves Christ, if they're like whoever, right, is that person is focused on Christ in an acceptance speech or any interview because that person has to be struck with humility 
honestly just to exist in the world and be successful because in a, a successful person can't remain successful and also be in Christ if he thinks he deserves it. Yeah. No, that's that's a that's a good point because I just um, I just gave the bruised read to some different people to read. Um, it's uh, it's by uh, Richard Sibbs, um, you know, great Puritan writer. And the the basic premise of that particular book um, is that you know everything that that happens to you comes through the fingers of God. Um, so most of the time, that the idea that you know something you know positive happens to me, right? My team wins. I win the lottery. I make the sale, right? We we take credit for My ourselves. Team wins. My team Didn't wins. Happen I know. Today. Um, yeah. But but the losses, the defeats, um, the you know, hey, you got cancer, right? We somehow um, we don't take credit for that, right? We blame that on God. And uh, and what the bruised reed basically says is the idea is, hey, listen, here's the deal: you deserve death. Anything that you get besides that um, is really a gift from God to help you be more dependent upon him and to see the bigger picture of life as not being about these smaller things, but being about him. And it really helps you in a sense, refocus, recalibrate, right? The concept of what life is all about. And it's not about, and and this is good for us because, you know, it's not about your team winning. Um, It's, it's about, um, you know, you knowing Christ and making him known. And so whether your team wins or loses, can you give glory to God? And that's what the whole book of Habakkuk is, is about. Is, right. You know, the, the prophet um, Habakkuk was like, hey, God, do you, do you not see what's going on here? And God's just like, yeah, yeah, I, I got this. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring some people in here. Um, they're going to take you captive, right? And, you know, and, and, you know, Habakkuk's like, I don't think you understand <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm saying, right? And God's like, what you don't understand is there's a bigger picture uh, than just your ease and comfort going on here. Right, I'm I'm getting you ready to have the Messiah come, right? And he's going to free you not from the oppression, right, of the Romans, right? So the chosen brings this up all the time, right? Is what what are you seeking, right? Are you seeking freedom from your earthly oppression, or are you seeking freedom from the great oppression of sin and death? And that's the that's the story that God's all about. And so that's where the the idea of humility, um, what you brought up, comes in, right? Is when you meet those individuals that see themselves as a part of a larger picture. They're not the center picture. They're not the mainstay. They're not the headlines. They're just an instrument to point you to something greater. That's a really neat thing to see, right? So they're using their platform that God's given them for something greater than themselves. And I think that's one of the things that you and I recognize in other people. We appreciate, um, we want to emulate, right? We want to use whatever platform that God's given us to point to him. Um, We don't want it to be about us. Right. And I think there's some, you know, there's some great men and women throughout history who have done that. Yeah. And and that's just a a, a neat thing. So when we talk about who you're listening to, right, I think that's one of the things you have to ask is if you're listening to people who are about promoting themselves, be careful. Right. If you're listening to people who are promoting something greater than themselves, if you're listening to people who are promoting Christ, right, then those are great people to listen to. That's two parts. Part one, right, is like other people that you're listening. Yep. Part two, are you listening to yourself who trusts yourself over Christ? So Good this point. quote that I love is like, arrogance is misplaced faith, right? So if you are listening, hey, you're either going to listen to me on this, like I trust my gut, yep. right? Or what God has for me. If you're trusting yourself, you're actually removing your faith that should be in God. Yep. And you're, because you can't have faith in both, right? It's impossible to have faith in God and man. So you're removing your faith from God into man when man is a, failed creation creature like i think yeah. you know we uh will like watch like 
our family obviously loves watching sports. And there's those guys out there who are just like the cockiest, most arrogant people. But there's a lot of them who back it up. Yeah. Right. And so we're like, you know, hey, they're backing it up. Right. But right when they're when they trust themselves over anyone else, and even more so over God. Right. You see them successful in one area, but it's like, are they s- successful off the stage? Yeah. And I think that's where you have to dictate where truth is coming from. Yeah. Now, a guy who trusts himself over anything else on the football field, sure, I will take football advice from that guy. Yeah. Like if, you know, whoever the best football player of all time is, right, if Tom Brady is going to give me quarterback advice, I'll listen I'm to Tom listening. Brady. Right. Yeah, totally. And I think that's the thing. Is Tom, like, what do you got? Trust, <laughs> trust people for sure on certain issues where they're experienced. Like if they're arrogant in that issue, okay, but they're proven in that issue, that's great. But God is way more proven in life, yeah. right, in the, in the issues of life for us to ever trust ourselves. So I think part one is is people, like, are the people that we're listening to, are they trusting themselves over God? Yeah. Right? Is there, is, what does their internal life look like? But then also, right, do, are we trusting, listening to ourselves? Yeah over God. Yeah. Psalm 118 um, just basically asked the question, right? And it, it says it's better to trust in God than in, you know, princes and, you know, chariots, right? It, it's a whole idea of if you're trusting in man or you're tr- trusting in the strength of man, right? That's limited. If you're trusting in God, that's unlimited. So which one will you place your trust in? I think that's a great reminder, right? So um, whoever you're listening to, if they're not listening to God, eventually that wisdom, that advice, um, that resource is going to be limited um, by the truth that's God's economy. Right. And, and, you know, and if you're listening to God, then you can weigh and evaluate and listen to other people in light of what God has already spoken about. Um, so anyway, just a, a great reminder, just a, a good uh, conversation I wanted to have, you know, with you, Parker, just about guys you're listening to and, and hopefully encourage um, some young guys to evaluate um, who they're paying attention to, who they're, who they're listening to, um, and if, if you, honestly, if you can say that, you know, the people that I'm surrounding myself with are only successful, um, businessmen, only successful sports athletes, only success, right. And you limit it to that one particular area, but you're not surrounding yourself with men who are successful in life and family, um, you know, and, and doing things the right way. I, I think that's going to come back and, and bite you in the behind and you need to be super careful about that. Well, and to those people, right. That are successful and whatever, just fill the blank. Right. Right. If you're taking their wisdom, find out where they don't succeed. Yeah. Because that makes them right. Human one. And two, that puts you in a place where you understand that, right. You are in the equation, the person who needs saving, who needs someone to help them succeed. Um, I know that you always say this, but like, this is the same way that I read scripture was I was David. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. that's me. Yeah. Like, you know, they're going to pick me. I'm going to save the day. Or yeah. I was, you know, I'm Hosea, right? That's, you know, who am I going to save this yeah. situation? Yeah. But I think three times I rescued my wife from the, you know, it's like, you're <laughs> yeah, not, you're exactly. Not Hosea. Like, yeah. If I was in yeah. Jacob's situation, we, do. We, right. we put ourselves in, we're the hero of the story, right? right? As opposed to Christ being the hero of the story. Um, and, and honestly, you, you, you brought up David, right? I mean, one of the great examples is David and Goliath. Um, you know, the story that everybody knows, First Samuel chapter 17, right? You know, David shows up, defeats Goliath. Um, the interesting thing is, if you think about it, right, if you like, where, where should I see myself in Scripture? And I, I don't think it's wrong to say, hey, can I learn something from, you know, the personhood of David and what he did? But I think the reality is, is, you know, look at where you probably would have been. And that is, um, you know, your King Saul, 
right? You're the man who should be in the arena, but you're too scared to go and you don't trust God. And so what happens, it literally, right? It's all, you know, Goliath's out there and it says he's out there for 40 days, right? Which is the number of completion in scripture. So basically Saul's given up his right to go out and fight the giant, right? To represent his country that he's the king of. And after 40 days, right? The pizza delivery kid shows up, right? David, who's a, um, a small boy from the wrong town, right? From Bethlehem. Um, he's not qualified, so he's not the great warrior. But what does he do? He trusts in God. Well, he's a picture of Jesus. I mean, that, that's who he is, right? I mean, Jesus is literally actually going to come from the line of David, right? The, you know, the, the next David, his son, the son of David, actually Jesus is referred to as the son of David, um, right? That when we see David out there, we shouldn't see ourselves. We should see Christ being our hero, our champion, our advocate, the one who speaks for us. Right, the one who defeats the giants in our lives, and and what are we? What should we be doing? We should be trusting him to go do that. Yeah. Right, and then we should walk in the victory that he's given us. Right. We don't need to be David because we've had a David who's already defeated those giants. So you know, just a great reminder of that. But we know, won't read ourselves into David and Bathsheba because that would never be us. Right. We're only David and Goliath. Right. We're never David yeah, and Bathsheba. Yeah, we never read ourselves into the negative parts. Right. And but, so, yeah. but like that's that's where Christ comes in. Is yep. Christ. With Christ, we are we get to take part in the defeat of sin because Christ did. Yep. Right, we get to be in the side of victory. Right, we get to be on the Super Bowl winning team. Yep. Because we are with Christ. But without Christ, we are not only losers; we are ultimate losers who deserve death. Yeah. And so, men, right, as like like just like a summary of like who we're listening to, right, are men who have failed tremendously, yep. and their success, right, in Christ's standards is success because of Christ. Yep. Right, and if they're a success in the world standard, they are failing. They can, right, more than likely, right? A lot of those people can be failing, right, in Christ economy. Yeah. And so we have to see, hey, where can we make a billion dollars and make quick money? Sure, but would we want to do that at the expense of having a relationship with Christ, who so maybe went through our family? Yeah. And what, what does Scripture say? Right. What What is the profit of man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Lose his soul. Right. And so um, I think when we look at men. One, I, I, there was a guy on a, your podcast who said if he doesn't know that a man's been broken, right? I can't yeah. trust him. And like there, yeah. there needs to be an, an Blair Robinson. Yes, there needs to be a known blo- brokenness about a man yep. for there to be success yep. in a spiritual sense. And then two, right? There needs to be a trusting of Christ as Savior and Victor for us to have victory in Him. And then three, like in a, in a, like to pursue right, like good things, to be good at the things that God has given us, because there are. Like Tim Tebow's, who were you know rich in God's economy and rich in the world's economy because they totally. were faithful with what God gave them. Yeah, and so it's not a shot at successful in culture. That's right. Right. If if your heart's in Christ, yeah. As long as you're trusting God to give you the platform and then you use it for His glory, then you know who cares, right? Whether it's a big stage or a small stage, right? If Christ is the center of the stage. I mean, I always say this is, you know, um, when Christ does his first miracle, uh, he changes the water into wine. Uh, he's at a wedding and it, it says he, uh, he grabbed some of the servants, right. And had them carry the water, right. They didn't do the miracle, but they got to carry the water. Right. And that's, that's our job, right. Our job is to carry the water. Right. And so when Christ does the miracle and turns the water into wine, right. And everybody's just like, Oh, look at this. And he's like, yeah, I just, I, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of whatever Jesus is doing. Right. And changing water into wine may seem like, oh, that's pretty amazing. It's like, oh, listen, when he changes lives, he takes you from death to life. He takes you from darkness to light. Right. That's the great thing that we want to be a part of. 
Yeah. You know. Anyway, just guys who you're listening to, um, and and the question of, uh, again comes back to: um, Are you the kind of man that other people need to be listening to? Yeah. Because you're giving them life giving right wisdom and advice that comes from Christ. Um, so find those men, listen to them, uh, emulate their lives as they emulate Christ. Paul would say, right, follow me because I'm following Jesus. Um, and be that kind of man for somebody else who wants to follow you because you're following Jesus. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training, the number four, manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.